Welcome to the No Fear Podcast of First Presbyterian Church. My name is Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas, with your No Fear Word of the Day. Thanks for being with us today. I'm Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio, Texas, and this is your No Fear Word of the Day. The Bible tells us to have courage, to be not afraid, or to have no fear in one way or another 365 times. And the point of this podcast is to offer God's Word as a daily dose of courage during this 21st century health crisis. Well, there is a lot to celebrate right now. Today, as I'm recording this podcast, I am pleased to announce that First Presbyterian Church will be opening up for our live services again on May 31st, which is also Pentecost Sunday, that day in church history when the people of God, the disciples of Jesus Christ, were filled with the Holy Spirit and came out to launch the public mission of the church. And It's just such a wonderful symbolic day for our church to re-engage our public worship and begin to move back out into the world. Of course, as we come back together, we will be doing this in a very sober way. We will be doing this in a way that honors our civil authorities and also protects our most vulnerable members of our congregation and community. We've got to remember that our mission is to love Jesus Christ, love one another, and love the city. And so as part of expressing our love, we are going to be taking the necessary precautions to make sure that in our re-engagement, we're not actually putting one another at risk. So even though we are going to proceed wisely, We're still going to do it with a sense of celebration and joy in the fact that our God is bringing us back together. He's bringing us together again after a season of discernment, after a season of of rest, after a season of challenge. And we believe that God is going to make his church stronger for having experienced this together. To say that this is a strange time is the understatement of the century. We have experienced so many things in new ways, and we have experienced so many new things during this season of stay at home, work safe. And as I think about this time, I have reflected on some really wonderful experiences that have taught me some important lessons. My wife, my son, and I had a really great experience like that just a few days ago. My wife Morgan discovered that the San Antonio Zoo was going to be opening its gates for a drive-through experience. That's right. Instead of walking past the animal habitats and through the exhibits, people would be invited to drive their cars through the zoo facility, down the paths, and through the facilities for an up-close automotive experience with the animals. As with so many other community events and attractions, the zoo had to close its doors and close its gates to visitors during this COVID-19 crisis. With a zoo, however, one can't just turn off the lights and shut down the machines. The animals still have to be cared for, and the facilities kept up, and the environment maintained. And like so many other institutions, the zoo was in crisis without the daily revenue of its visitors and patrons. 
And so the directors of the zoo and the staff came up with the idea of opening the zoo to car traffic. Because of restrictions set down by the civil government and with considerations of social distancing and the spread of disease, the zoo couldn't just open the gates as normal. But someone in the leadership of that wonderful institution came up with the idea of setting up a car tour through the zoo so that people could still have an experience with the animals. I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea because it provides a source of revenue to mitigate the economic challenges of this crisis, and it gives the members of our community, especially the families with children, a much-needed and meaningful distraction during this long, barren season. I guess what I'm really saying is that I just think it's a really cool idea. But what really impressed me about the idea was the imagination and the attitude involved. First, at the leadership level, what a fantastic way to open the zoo, protect people's health, and give them something really special. The creativity involved in this project was enormous. This was no small undertaking. But the second thing about this, and perhaps the thing that impresses me most, is what I will call the zoo attitude that came as a part of and behind this project. As we drove through the park, we were met time and time again by zoo staff, volunteers, caretakers, and guides, veterinarians, overflowing with enthusiasm and hospitality. First, you can tell that they love the zoo and the work that they do. Second, you can tell their obvious love for the animals by going to these extraordinary efforts to make sure that the animals have what they need. But third, their hospitality, their generosity of spirit, their welcoming words, their bright conversation, their smiling faces, and everything else made everyone in their cars feel like they were part of something great and exciting and special. Even though every staff member was wearing a mask, their eyes told the story and their cheeks lifted the fabric at the upper corners. That is the zoo attitude. To make lemonade out of lemons to turn a bad situation upside down, to create an opportunity from a crisis, and to do it with a gentle, enthusiastic spirit so that the positive attitude becomes more contagious than the disease itself. One thing that really struck me as funny and delighted me to hear was a comment by one of the staff members who was on the tour as we were driving through. She said, it's really been a lot of fun to do this because it's clear that the animals have been missing the people. The whole experience just really impressed me. And as I was reflecting on the experience, I thought about another great zoo story. It's about the first zoo ever to exist. Of course, that zoo was a floating zoo. You may know it as Noah's Ark. The book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, tells us the story. That after man had fallen from the paradise of the garden, and after generations of selfishness and sin and violence, the Lord decided to reboot the world in a terrifying event. God flooded the world to wash away the corruption of sin and start over. But the Lord did not destroy all the life on earth. God saved a righteous man, Noah, and his family to repopulate the earth after the flood. But in addition to saving Noah and his family, God also directed Noah to build a huge ark, a floating barge, and fill it with every description of animal, so that the animal kingdom would also be repopulated after the flood. 
And so Noah did as he was commanded and created the world's first, and to my knowledge only, floating zoo. As my family and I drove past the animal habitats, it made me think of Noah. Walking through the corridors of the ark, past the lions, past the tigers, past the bears, past the reptiles, and past the elephants, and past the apes, and the birds, and everything else on the ark. The Bible tells us that the Lord made it rain for 40 days and 40 nights, completely flooding the earth until even the highest mountains were covered by water. Then, after 40 days, the rain finally stopped. And then it took an additional 110 days for the floodwaters to recede so that Noah and his family could get out of the ark. But in total, if you think about it, Noah and his family were on the ark, quarantined for 150 days with all of those animals. As I have thought about this story and thought about Noah and his family and all of those animals cooped up in the ark for 150 days, separated, isolated, quarantined, if you will, together, trying to survive a crisis of titanic proportions, As I've thought about that story, it naturally leads me to think about ours, and our story has led me to think about Noah's story. But as we, as a society, as a city, even as a church, move toward a point of reopening, the part of the story that really resonates with me right now is the part of the story about Noah and his family coming out of the ark, their reemergence from the ark. That part of the story begins in Genesis chapter 8. Let me read that with you. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of the forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him any more. In the second month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you, of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the ark. 
Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I love this story of Noah and his family and of all the animals coming out of the ark because it's a story of reemergence. The flood and the coronavirus crisis are not the same thing, but there are some really interesting parallels. Noah and his family had been sequestered, quarantined, in this huge barge for 40 days and 40 nights of rain, and then for another additional 110 days while the waters receded. 150 days total. Even after the flooding stopped after 40 days, the floodwaters were still present. I kind of think of it as analogous to the rising peak of the COVID virus situation. As the weeks went on, at first, things kept getting worse and worse and worse, and the number of cases were rising, and the number of hospitalizations were rising, and the number of deaths were rising, until eventually it peaked. The rain didn't stop, but at least it started to slow down and lighten up. We went from a peak where everything was being covered by disease and death to that point where the curve finally started to flatten. For Noah and his family, finally the rain stopped. But just because the rain stopped, that didn't mean that everything was going back to normal. The earth was flooded. Even the highest mountains were covered. And there was no place to land or to set one's foot, not even for a dove. But then God began to send a wind, a mighty wind, to evaporate the water and dry the earth. And things began to get back to normal. They began to get better, even if just gradually and imperceptibly better at first. My point is that Noah and his family and the animals could not just jump off the ark when the rain stopped. They had to wait for the waters to subside. That's the hard part of our transition right now. The waters are subsiding, but the land isn't yet dry. There's something I want you to notice about the way that Noah and his family reemerged from the ark. First of all, they tested the waters. Noah sent out first a raven and then a dove twice to check on the conditions. We might say in that sense that he was checking the science about the changing conditions. He had to determine what was going on beyond what he could simply see. I mean, he could still see water all around him, but he needed to know what was going on beyond that, what was beyond his vision, what was beyond the horizon. But as the water receded, Noah and his family could see more and more clearly that soon they would be able to open that great door and step out of the ark. And that is the point of celebration at the end of the story that the waters did recede, the land was dry, God opened the doors of the ark, and they were able to refill the earth. And I love it 
that the first thing that they did when they got out of the ark was build an altar to worship God. Noah and his family knew what it was like to be quarantined. We don't have any detailed descriptions about what happened or how they spent their time on the ark. I can only imagine that there were times of great joy and times of great tension, of great gratitude and great resentment. There were moments when they felt very close to each other and moments when they felt like they had been too close to each other for too long. We have all been out in our own family arcs, staying home, working safe for two months now. But the waters are receding, and soon we will be re-emerging into the world. But we have to remember, the world will not be the same, and we will not be the same. Both the world has changed and we have been transformed in this crisis. So the real question is, how will we emerge from the ark? And how will we emerge from this crisis? Just as the devastation of the flood was real, the devastation of this crisis has been real, both as a health crisis and an economic crisis. People have lost loved ones, and they have lost jobs. They have missed big events, and they have missed life-changing opportunities. And we have to take that devastation seriously. And so it's important, no, it's even critical that we reemerge from this arc together with compassion and awareness of the devastation that people all around us have suffered. But we also have to leave the ark with a spirit of courage. We have to remember that our God is sovereign and that He truly does love us. He has the power to make a difference in our lives and He truly is in control. Remember what the Lord said that perfect love casts out fear. And so for those who are afraid, we need to show enough love to get them past their fear. We need to emerge from the ark with hope. One of the questions that people have been asking me frequently all the time is the question, when are we going to reopen the church? The question of when is not nearly as important to me as the question of how. How are we going to reopen the church? Are we going to emerge from the ark angry, resentful, divided, self-absorbed, jealous, suspicious, cynical, or skeptical? Or are we going to emerge from the ark with joy and love and enthusiasm and compassion and hospitality and prayerful worship? The truth is, when we reemerge into the world when we come back to church, it's going to be different. We're not going to be able to do things the same way we've always done them, and we're not going to be able to live our lives the way we used to live them before March for probably quite some time. Well, my hope and my prayer is that we will learn something from the San Antonio Zoo and that when we reopen the church, we will open the church with a zoo attitude. It's not going to be the same, it's going to be different, but it's going to be awesome. It would be so easy to go to the zoo right now and criticize the experience and complain about not being able to get out of your car, not being able to walk around where you want to walk. You could complain about it just being different or not the way that it used to be. And the same can be said of the church. 
People can come back to church and they can complain about having to wear a face mask or complain about restricted seating or complain about worship times or complain in general about not being able to sit in their own pew, the one that they used to always sit in every Sunday. And it could be so easy just to return to community and social life and complain about the size of gatherings and the convenience of particular shopping opportunities or anything like that and really be sour about the reopening of our culture and our city. Or we could take a zoo attitude. The zoo attitude is that attitude that was on obvious display by the staff members and volunteers and the veterinarians and the caretakers and everyone who was working at the zoo when we went on our tour. An attitude of joy, an attitude of hospitality, an attitude of grace. The zoo attitude is one of enthusiasm, imagination, intelligence, and love. It means that we understand the importance of adapting when things are not the same. It means that we understand that there are certain things we cannot change. There are certain things that we can change and that we do have the wisdom to know the difference. As I've had to remind people numerous times, the church has not been closed during this crisis because the church is the body of Christ, the community of God's people. Our facility at 4th and Alamo in the center of San Antonio is not the church. It's our building. The church is God's gathered and sent people. And for these last two months, First Presbyterian Church has been very active in our pursuit of loving Christ, loving one another, and loving the city. I just pray that as we re-emerge, not only into the world But as we gather again as the community of faith at our building at 4th and Alamo, that we will demonstrate not only a zoo attitude, but a Christ-like attitude. That we will demonstrate energy, intelligence, imagination, and love, hospitality, joy, encouragement. That people will know by the expression on our faces and by the compassion that we share that we believe that Jesus Christ truly is the way and the truth and the life. I just pray that people will feel the same sense of welcome and wonder that my family and I felt as we rode through that wonderful tour of the San Antonio Zoo. Until next time, thank you for being with us again for this No Fear podcast. Please join us for this and our other daily podcasts throughout this COVID-19 crisis at fpcsanantonio.org. I'm Bob Fuller of First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio, Texas. Be not afraid. God is real. Jesus is alive and the Holy Spirit is with us. God loves you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He has a position for you on his team and a place for you at his table. 